Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No holes board. <laughs> what's the? How are you? I'm fine. Uh, what's the most you've ever paid for a collectible? Ballpark. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not like a huge collectibles guy. I know it's crazy because I have like a closet full of VHS and DVDs, but well, you're a um, hoarder. That's a hoarder. That's a different thing. Correct. Correct. Uh, I see love. By the way, I'm a hoarder also. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a lot of it feels irreplaceable to me. That's why. Like, I don't know. These are all my VHSs from like my childhood of stuff I recorded. Like, what am I gonna? There's no way to get it back once I decide to get rid of it. There's like no. no repurchasing it. You know, the DVDs I could see, like, okay, I could probably buy them back someday if I really wanted them back, but. It's harder than you think, my friend. Right, right. So, I mean, that that not hurting anyone. You know, four, four or five times a year, I get bitched at about taking up space in this closet with all this stuff, but it is what it is. Is it just one closet you have your stuff put in? Yeah, I have like my bins with my VHS and magazines. All my wrestling magazines, yes, and then two. I have a shelf with all our DVDs, and that's all in the same closet. And then so, I have a closet, another closet that has all your collectibles in it. Right, right. I will be getting those at some point, hopefully soon. Yes. Um, okay. But hold on, you just have two bins and a shelf, and this is a problem. Yeah, it's more than two bins. <laughs> I misrepresented how many VHS tapes I have. Um, well, is it okay? I think it's, is it over ten bins? No, no. Okay. It's like three bins of maybe. Now, maybe it's two bins of tapes, a bin of magazines, and then a bin of, like, tchotchkes that have, like, accumulated that really don't go anywhere, but this is, like, stuff I have. What are tchotchkes? I don't know, like, junk shit. Like oh, okay, okay, okay. Random stuff that I used to have on desks or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, And then I have, like, a bag of old cassettes, audio cassette tapes, like, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. I have a bin with, like, that stuff in it. Um, and then yes, the big DVD shelf. But in fairness, the DVDs aren't all this like wrestling. It's like movies that we bought over the years, you know. Mm. Did you see? I got rid of all my DVD cases and eventually went into the booklet. Yeah, I like the cases. My dad made these really nice shelves. Like he made a um, VHS shelf for me back in the day. We use that now as like in our living room as kind of like a show shelf. You know, it's like all kinds of stuff on it. And then he made a nice DVD shelf that I have. That's where I have all the DVDs on. So it was like custom made to like right. house like shitloads of DVDs. So my dad made an audio tape of him uh, screaming at my mom during the divorce proceedings. That's the only audio cassette mm. I still have. Oh, it might be the only thing I only recording I have of his voice. But it might be voicemails a, or anything. No, I have texts. Uh, but he was just aggressive in general. Like whenever like. Like his phone message right. was like, 
Don George at the tone, leave your message. Is it like uh, Jerry, this is Frank Costanza. George is dead. Mrs. Starbender's here. Call me back. Something along those levels. Uh, yes. Uh, it's just very basic and to the point, but he sounds angry. Like when I lived at home, my parents would be like, your dad okay? <laughs> right. Like, no, he's fine. Like, <laughs> Well, I hope you don't take too much grief for this collection. It doesn't sound that big. No, it's not too bad. Okay. All that to be said is I found these two Randy Savage figures that I've been searching for forever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't spend that much, but I, I still felt bad. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel bad spending money on myself. I think it's fair. To feel bad or to spend money on yourself? To both. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so you did it? Yeah, so I they, did. Did it. they arrive yet? Or are they oh, no, I here? got them in person. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I sent them from uh, at Calgary to your house. Instead of instead of you know just carrying them with me, I said fuck it. He's already got all this other shit. What else am I gonna do with all this room in my house besides I, store your shit in it? Yes, 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 yes. And if any if if any of my shit gets you grief, you have my permission to burn it. It doesn't. Every now and then I get the. Is Aaron gonna come get this stuff? But other than that, I really <laughs> I really made it work. Um, I have it really like stacked up in this little closet, and we usually store a lot of stuff in this closet where your stuff is. Right, but. Last week, I think it was last weekend, I reorganized that closet, and I really got everything stacked up nice and, and tight and all that. So, Well, the plan is because the plan has been to come get it forever. Mm. But then it's just one thing after another, right? Right. And it's still like a pain to like cross the border and whatnot. Well, look. Yeah. That's on you, not me. I'm well aware. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving you any blame. I'm giving you credit. Uh, I also have your Bob Orton that's that's in a bag on top of the stack. Right. Right. Yes. Good. I'll send you money for that. That's okay, buddy. It's on me. No. No, not, you don't owe me a Bob Orton. <laughs> <laughs> you, know how, you know how valuable that is? A Bob Orton? <laughs> well, when you sell it someday, just give me my cut. I, I think I'm going to write into my will that my wrestling figure collection is not to be sold to be kept what's gonna happen with it just stay there <laughs> <laughs> bury with it your bury me son, with it like i'm a poor fucking son someday he's gonna be like yeah some poor son someday is gonna be like what the fuck am i gonna do with this i can't sell and, it and it's illegal of, to sell it. and none of my sons like wrestling right like except my youngest who's four now it's because i bought him uh they sell these like plushes now and i bought him a couple of those and he went nuts so hmm. this kid is like destructive on oh max like to the boat to the end but he treats these like wrestling tutus like they're Fabergé eggs. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Fabergé eggs, we've got some classics tonight. We do, because here on No Holds Barred, once a month, we are going through the history of Doty world title changes. And we are uh, talking about every single one. And then we are ranking them, as we do on this show, based on a series of categories. So, so far, we've done... Uh, actually, Aaron, 25 matches. So we've been through the first 25 world title changes in company history. We're into late 1994. We're going to cover two tonight. And uh, before we do that, though, do you want to just recap what the categories are that we talk about for these matches? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first is match quality, then significance, the moment, the build, 
and the aftermath. Now, we're each giving a score on 10. So that's five categories, two scores each. That gives us a nice round score out of 100. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's astounding that into 1994, which is at this point like a 30-year history, we're only at 25 title changes. And that's going to like triple quick once we get moving <laughs> to the late 90s. Uh, they definitely pick up quite a bit. Yeah, like in the next five years, it, it doubles. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, crazy. It moves <laughs> fast. Um, but it's it's been fun digging into, like, especially some of those older ones we hadn't seen in a while. And uh, <laughs> I feel like we're really into it. I think we talked about this in our last episode, but we're really into, like, a new era now of uh, world champions and title matches. Like, we kind of went through the Titan era, right, of, like, the, yeah. the gods, Bruno and Hogan and, you know, Billy Graham and you know those guys and then kind of the dastardly heels like Yoko and Flair having you know reigns in there like we've kind of gone through a bunch of this stuff and now we're really getting into uh which is funny giving the guy that's in both our matches tonight but uh, yeah you know, right. I guess the new generation era right um because this is a type of title match you didn't think you would see really in the WF prior to what late 92 when we got like Brett and Flair yeah no kidding. as far as like a title change now, when you were watching at the time, maybe I've asked this before, but I'm not sure. Did you understand who Bob? Because we're we're, talk, we're starting with Bret Hart and Bob Backlund tonight. Did you understand who Bob Backlund was? Like, um, I think they did actually a pretty good job when he showed up in '92 of like explaining who he was. Um, I don't think like I never really watched some of his stuff besides you know when they showed the Sheik. Yeah. clip on comps and stuff um i'm guessing probably talked to my dad at some point about him but i did grow to like he was kind of like a cult favorite of me and my cousins for a while in like 90 because he was so we talked about like in, when we did like 90 you know his 93 rumble on now into the rumble yeah. um the goofy faces and the you know machinations the movements like it was kind of like someone we like knew was a good wrestler but kind of laugh at you know a little bit when he had that turn on superstars and i've both podcasted about this and written about that match it's one of my favorite uh dirty matches of all time brett harvard's bob backlund on superstars in july 94 actually i did a solo pod when we first started north south connection it's on the feed if you search for it. i think it's under jt's treasure trove um probably early 2020 sometime uh, i just gave a quick dive into the match because i just it's such a memorable match to me that really sticks out uh, watching it live. And I remember they hyped the match pretty well. And then Backlund doing the big heel turn at the end. And then his road here <clears throat> was like also pretty memorable and fun. Like him uh, putting the chicken wing on Lou Gianfrido, the writer for the magazine, and <laughs> attacking all different kind of people. I think he even got Savage on one of the Raws. Scotland, doesn't he and attack Scotland? Yes, yep. He attacked Scotland. Um, so it was like really well built up until this point. And it was like he's kind of randomly inserted into this big family feud that Brett has going on because since early in the year with Owen, like this is what his year has been. He's been dealing with Owen. Then the anvil came back at King of the ring, you know, British bulldog came back. So it's been him and bulldog versus Owen and anvil working the the house shows. And I believe, and we've, I think we talked about this a bit on like PTB and stuff. Like the, the plan was for, you know, anvil to be the guy. It was going to be him in the ear of Owen and then Anvil would be like the mastermind that Brett ends up fighting with. Right. 
And I think they probably saw him and <laughs> remembered. It's like, <laughs> not going to be a big draw because no, they go around the circuit place. with Brett versus Anvil matches. Like I remember there was a house show here and I didn't go to it, but I remember September, October or whatever. Like that was like the main event. And again, they ran that tag a bunch too. But so Backlund kind of gets like tossed into it. And that leads to them doing the submission angle, which I thought was a great idea to play off how Backlund lost the title. You know, you got to throw the towel in. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then, they have Bulldog and Owen be part of this too to continue the family war. So Backlund kind of finds himself aligned against Brett, you know, with Owen on, on that side of the family. So I just thought the, the build is really interesting here. I thought they did a nice parallel job of making Backlund into a maniac. Um, Hellbent, who had snapped because he just couldn't get this title back that he felt he never lost, is it, such a good story. And then that's right, parallel with Brett still dealing with Owen. And they kind of collide here. So I don't know. I, I just always like the built in this. Yeah, I, I I actually really like that he's not involved in the family feud. Like he's an outsider drawn into this for his right. own purposes. I think that's actually part of the brilliance of it. It's like, okay, he doesn't because I feel like if they did it today, he'd be like, he'd be like, oh, and is the better heart. You know what I mean? Like he'd be more in right, right, yeah. Like they try to tie it in more. Whereas this is like, no, no, I'm just trying to win this belt and this other bullshit is happening. And I'm gonna right. win the belt, and if the if I have to wade through the bullshit, fine. But I'm not gonna get involved in it. Like, right, I think that's right. a really interesting part of it. Now, it, well, this, I mean, honestly, he, it's like he doesn't. I don't think he's like even references it. <laughs> like, like I don't know if he even ever admit like acknowledges that this is happening around him. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't say like I'm gonna stay out of this. I just want to fo-. like he just goes along and like is just kind of there. And yeah. they're with them. It's just, it's it's interesting the way they do it. I feel his only knowledge of any of it is that he knows Owen will never throw the towel in to give Brett a victory. Like I, I'm sure he doesn't acknowledge it, but it's like, oh, you're gonna do it? Okay, fine. I know I can. You know, I think it, it was probably like if if this was a a real life situation, it would be a two second conversation, and they'd never talk about it again. Right. Is this the first ever submission match for the WWF title? Well. It's definitely the first one for a title change. Yeah, I'm guessing there had to be one somewhere along the way in like the 80s or 70s. You know, something like that. There had to be an I quit or something, I would think, at MSG as like part of a three three match feud with Backlund and someone else. You know what I mean? Like, there had to be something at some point. I, I can't imagine this is the very first one of kind of the more modern like Hogan era, I would say probably. Right. Well, because even then, Backlund, Backlund, when he was champion didn't use the chicken wing that often, or at least in the matches I've watched. He always used the atomic drop as the finisher. Right. And like, it's funny. Well, do they reference it? Like this is a move that he like perfected or does he just like start using it here because it's like a classic submission move and he's a classic submission artist. So I've been, I've been rewatching, rewatching and watching for the first time, a ton of old MSGs. Now I was, I watched basically like everything I could find from like 78 to 81. And then I restarted in 84 and I just finished um, the 84 year. And so I don't recall him using, now I might've skipped a match here or there. So I don't recall him using mm-hmm. the chicken wing when he was champion. However, mm-hmm. when he's fighting people in the summer of um, 1984, he definitely uses it. Right. Like I can't even remember who he's fighting against, but yeah, he definitely breaks it out and and get, basically gets a guy to pass out to it well i wonder if like they had this idea then because 
that was kind of the idea, right? That he was going to turn heel and then he kind of balked and didn't want to do it. Mm. So I wonder if they were going to do something similar where that was like a move he would use as a heel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I wonder, I wonder how much him balking messed up their plans because Hogan, I mean, in 1984, at least in MSG, he's a quite aimless. He's not really the main, I mean, he's the main event because he's a champion, but he's not on a ton of the shows. Like right. he's, he's, and then he'll defend against kind of a random guy. Whereas the main programs in 84, at least as far as I can tell for MSG, are Slaughter and Sheik and Santana and Valentine. Right. So I'm curious, if he was the, if he was the plan, would that have been the big thing that kind of carried Hogan kind of thing? Definitely could have been. It seemed like it. Maybe it was going that way. Right. Well, we're long from Hogan at this point. Um, he's fighting Bret Hart. <laughs> and yeah, like yes, when he, yes. I love that he's so old school, Backlund, that when he comes out for this, he comes out to no music. Yeah, he didn't have any music at all, really, in this run until like the very end. When he, like in 95, when he announced he's running for president or whatever, yeah. they started using Hail to the Chief. That's right. But. All during this run, yeah, he's got no music. So it definitely feels very throwback. He's got the robe, the towel, you know, even the nice little touch of he's got the plain white towel, right? Brett's got the black and pink neon one, and he's just got this old school white towel like he had back in the day. Um, you believe it's his towel this match. that he just took from the rack before he left the house? Well, they almost make it like it's the same towel. Oh, yeah, that's right. They talk it up like he kept the towel and like, this is the one, which I mean, he's pretty crazy. So it could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, so this Vince, is November 23rd, 1994 in San Antonio, Texas, the Freeman Coliseum. The very interesting uh, commentary team on this show of gorilla monsoon and Vince McMahon calling this one, which I always found. Um, I remember at the time kind of not liking it like as a kid, because I thought maybe we get a cool surprise. Like we did at the rumble where DiBiase showed up. I thought maybe we'd get, yeah, I was like eternally hoped like Jesse would come back. Right. Uh, so when it was just gorilla, kind of like a letdown, but in years later when I've watched it, like it was actually kind of cool. Like both from a historical perspective, like Vince and gorilla, they never really did this. So it's like a one-time thing. And also just like, they do a pretty good job. Like cause gorilla doesn't always get to be in the color commentary role. That's right. Yeah. And, and he probably is. I love, I love gorilla as a commentator. But he's probably a bit more suited to the color role than the play-by-play. Right. You wonder if they would have done a team of like, you know, back when they're doing like Gorilla, Roddy, and and Bobby. Like if it had been Vince, Gorilla, and Bobby, like that could have been really fun. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Because he could kind of act as the arbitrator between them. Right. Vince is like really all in on Backlund holding Arnold Skull and responsible. Yes. And it's it's when he attacked him. Yeah, and it's such an interesting story point because, like, I would imagine that the a, a huge swath of viewers don't have any emotional investment to Scotland, Arnold Scotland, and Bob Backlund's relationship. But you wouldn't, but no. you wouldn't be able to tell that from Vince's tone, right? Well, that that's Vince's golden era. Like he, I mean, that's his guys, you know. <laughs> so, right. like to him, it means a lot. Like that's a story that should resonate. And I don't want to discount that there were probably fans that knew what was going on, like older fans and stuff that were still watching. I, I think it was a lot of turnover, but yeah. it wasn't like that long ago. Like 
that would be like something today. And I know today's years age differently, but something today that happened in 2012. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's not that crazy old, you know? No, no, they could definitely call back to that. Uh, we get the obligatory shots of Stu and Helen because they have to set them up being there. Where do you think Davy Boy Smith got a T-shirt with all those tassels? Did he have to make that himself? <laughs> no, he forced Diana to, for sure. <laughs> make my fucking shirt. <laughs> Sit down there, bitch, and make my shirt. <laughs> and, and, and this is one of the few Fuck times, you too. In the ass. <laughs> fucking hate you. Um, this is one of the few times, too, where they, they, they mention, like, it's a match 10 years in the making, and it's actually true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Backlund has waited 10 years for this chance. Um, and Brett, by the way, too, is like still super over. Like, you felt like when he came out here, he felt like the guy. I know we've talked about this quite a bit with his matches during this project. Oh yeah, I think I think um, I think ninety four. He feels like the guy pretty much the whole year. Yeah, like for I guess for. But does I it guess, feel like a step down, or do you feel like he stepped up? You know what I'm saying? It's hard to say because it's very possible the whole promotion step down. Right. And now as a con, like, I, I'm not saying he's not doing a good job. I actually think 94 is probably his bet. No, maybe 97, but 94 is a great year for him. Right. And I, I think he's completely legitimate, completely believable as champion. But when you look at who's in the promotion, like th- they lost Hogan, they lost Savage, you know, like it, it, the, the list starts to pile up really quick. So it, I think it's a combination of both. Right. Uh, that being said, I love how they start <laughs> with the wrestling at the start. Like yes. it, it's just Matt wrestling and Backlund hits a really sweet, nice side suplex to escape a headlock. Love it. Like I love everything that happens at the beginning. I even love Backlund making so much fucking noise as he's selling. Mm-hmm. So, ah! so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, in, in another rare instance of them acknowledging history, they bring up Davey and Brett fighting two years earlier, like to, to throw some like potential yes. fear that maybe Davey boy is going to fuck over Brett. Right. Will he double cross him or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot. It's a very good old school feel to it, which makes sense with Backlund. Like he's already making Brett kind of work his match and he goes for the crossface chicken wing a couple of times, but Brett is like ready for it. Yeah. Blocks it with a belly to belly goes to a front chancery. Um, you know, Backlund keeps going after the arm to try and soften him up. Uh, I thought Gorilla was great all through this. Like, adds in all kind of comments about Backlund's goals. Points out that Owen blew his final shot at the title over the fall in action zone. And he uses that as part of the stakes here, too. Like, not only does he want Brett to lose because he hates him, it's really his only path to the title right now. Because right. he had one more shot and he lost it. So, like, unless the title changes, he's kind of out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, cha- the, the chain wrestling, too, is so great. Like like, like you're talking about the uh, the chicken wing like attempts, but Brett keeps sneaking out and getting headlocks on mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We also get a shot of that bitch, Julie, and she is nowhere mm-hmm. near the front row. She's so far out. Well, I mean, would you want her sitting ringside with that well, evil stink eye? If it was the love of my life, I suppose. No, good thing she's not. <laughs> they also, um, they also make the, this is where they make the point that Owen Hart has the very same towel that Arnold Scotland threw in. Yes, yep. yeah. And and Backlund's character work in this is also on point. Like you know he's mm-hmm. he, like I 
I don't know about you, and we'll talk about it later, but as a teenager, I did not appreciate this match at all. And and now when I'm looking at it, it's like, holy shit, like, this guy's melding so much character into everything, and it's so legitimate. Right. Do you think it's... I would say I liked it as a kid. Yeah, go ahead. No, go on, go on. Take that point. Yeah, no, I think I liked it as a kid, but I don't know if I appreciated it. Like, it wasn't a match where I like, oh, God, it's so boring. Like, I remember liking it. And I think mm. it's because I was just so into Backlund at that time. Yeah. Um, heel Backlund. And that this show was special to me, too. It was uh, for a couple of years there because my birthday was, I think we may have talked about this, was like oh, a week yeah. after Survivor Series. So we this is one of the ones I ordered and had like a bunch of friends over and stuff. So, like, this show has always stuck out to me as kind of very nostalgic. Right. And so, yeah, this match has always been one I've enjoyed. But I definitely have grown to appreciate it more with all the work and nuance that goes into it. Right. How cool do you think it was for Stu Hart to see his son fighting Bob Backlund? Right. In, in that style of match. Yeah. Like, cause like the more I thought about it is that like, I mean, when Stu, Stu must've been still wrestling around that period when Backlund was champion and he was the champion oh, yeah. of the world for six years. Do you think he was less proud of it? Come WrestleMania. <laughs> Hey, yeah, what, do you say? Say? what do you say? What do you say? I tell you what, he would have been a better ref than Piper. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I love the uh, simplicity of Backlund's attack, too. It's like so focused and, um, but it's so effective. Like everything's crisp, it hits hard, it looks rugged, he's cranking everything tight. It is, it's not boring in no. a way that you think it would be. Like, especially because the crowds weren't conditioned to this at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, absolutely. Like, I, I wonder if this is a match that is enhanced by television as opposed to seeing it live. Because I could see if you're there live right. and you're not seeing all the details, it might not look as interesting. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. And especially as viewers, just, we hadn't had much of this. Like, it was picking up with Brett becoming a focus, right? And flair and stuff. So since late 92, I think we started to get longer matches like this on top. Even Brett, Sean, it's RC 92, which we did not talk about in the show, but that was like, you know, 20 something minutes. Right. So like we were getting more of those types of matches, but to roll this out, a 40 minute map based submission match that features, which we'll get to like, you know, a nine minute hold or whatever the fuck it was. Like, yeah. It was just so different than anything else. It was definitely a, a roll of the dice. Well, and yeah. And the other thing too is, is that like, you can, you can say that like it kind of, they're going there stylistically, but Brett and Sean mm-hmm. and Brett and Flair, there, there was some mat based elements of it, but it wasn't about the right. reverses and holding onto holds. Right. And right like, yeah. like, which yeah. is, which is kind of what this match is and say what you will about Bob Backlund, like being an old man. His strikes look fucking devastating in this match. He doesn't really age anyway. Like, they present him as, and to their credit, like, they've always presented him well in that, yeah, he's like a legendary veteran, but he didn't feel like uh, against the new generation vibe of the promotion because he he just worked and acted, even though he looked like Howdy Doody and that was a joke and all that, his cardio and his strength held up so well that, like, he could go with the young guys. You know what I mean? It's like LeBron James or like someone who's like 
or just an, as much as I hate him, like Tom Brady, right? The dude's like 41. He's been around a whole generation of football, but he's still as good as like all the young guys. Like that's what Backlund was in this stretch here is that, yeah, he may be old, <clears throat> but he can hang with the young dudes. Like we're not pushing some old fogey that can't move anymore. Like this is a fucking guy that could still go even though he's 43 years old. Yeah, and it's so, it's just it's just yeah. all the other presentation is that he's old, right? You know, from the no music, yes, to but the then robes. he gets in the ring and he can still work. Yeah, that, that then again, he is working a completely different style than everybody else, also, which is which I love. Yeah, like, but not, he's whatever. Yeah, he's bringing them into his level. I think we did see a little bit of this with Brett and Owen at ten. Like there was a lot of counterhold like in that match, but yeah, yes, to your point, we haven't haven't seen much of this. Yeah, and well, and it's like, for instance, like there's a part where like Backlund gets him in an arm lock, and he's using the other arm to rub in more damage, and Brett's mm-hmm. trying to body slam. He's holding on, like you know, Brett gets a neck breaker. It's like he just cannot get out of this wrist lock. Yes, and I I love it, and I just I think it's such a cool. It's so different, and it's around mm-hmm. this point of the match too that they run through all the guys Backlund hurt with the chicken wing. And it's a ton yes. of them. Like they really, they did yeah, such yeah, he a, was busy. Yeah, yeah, they did such a great job of putting over this hold as like if you get in this, you're done. No one broke it. I mean, yeah, it was inescapable for weeks and weeks and weeks. Ever since he slapped it on Brett on the superstars, it's been pretty much just anyone in his way he's gone after and taken down. Yeah, it's it's funny because they could do that today too, but they just kind of choose not to. But it, it adds such a great element to the match because you're you're mm-hmm. you're invested in Brett escaping being put in the the hold instead of oh, is he going to get to the ropes? You know, right? And what's cool is that Brett finally does break free, but it's after an atomic drop, and I don't know if that was on perf- on purpose or not. But like that was Backlund's finishing move, right? So I think that was a right. cool little nice callback. touch. Yeah, if that was intended with Brett, I I would lean more towards probably. I love too that in the middle here we get the well I guess it's toward the end, but Brett goes through his finishing offense and goes to the sharpshooter, and you're thinking, okay, like no way Backlund was winning the title, you know what I mean, like. Yeah. This felt like it was nearing the end and that Owen would end up being forced, whatever it is. And then we get the fiasco on the floor where Owen dupes Bullog into chasing him. And Bullog does this absurd, like, I don't he gets tripped or cl- whatever happens. He ends up flipping head over heels and smashing his head on the steps and knocking himself out. Yeah. And, and Owen is like, Davy boy. <laughs> like, he, he's, yeah. I don't think he's used his name the whole time. He just kept calling him Bulldog. David? <laughs> brother-in-law um also gorilla monsoon keeps trying calling this hold the chicken wing crossface mm-hmm. that bother you as much as it bothered me uh i don't know it's gorilla <laughs> I, I there's just like this is so much cool stuff with with backland like he like he's fighting not to get put in a figure four and then even when he's trying he's like punching his way out like he really He's fighting like an old man in this match. Like, I, I, I get yeah. the sense that he's on the edge of survival here for this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I love, too, that right before that bullshit on the floor, like, we get two sweet pile drivers from both of them. Like, very different, but also cool. And Brett finally gets him in the sharpshooter. And it's like, in all, this should be the end of the match, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. cooked. 
and you get the whole business with like Owen coming in and smashing his face. And I think that's so good. Yeah. Now to give some perspective, we talked about Davey getting hit on the outside that happens at, um, uh, an hour and 37 minutes into the show. So we'll see how long he's in this okay. hold. Um, and yeah, like when he first gets, so this, this is the brilliance of Backlund in a lot of ways. When he first gets Brett in that chicken wing, I love that he's like kicking and working the legs to try to get him to the ground, but Brett's evading it. Mm-hmm. First. Like that seems so. Well, simple. he knows like, yeah. And he knows if he gets trapped and dragged down, like that's probably it. Yeah. And, um, so he's in it for a little bit and now Owen is starting to apologize, mm-hmm. which is awesome. He's looking concerned and fucking, uh, Backlund finally gets Brett down, puts the body scissors on him and, they cut to Owen and he's cheering for Brett. Like, get up, right. get up. Like he's so like, he, it's almost like he switched sides already. And then Brett fights to his feet and Backlund gets him back down. And at this point when he's got him down, do you remember at the time thinking he's done here? Um, yeah, I was actually about to ask you, like, do you think anyone believed Owen was being truthful here? Because I, it, they almost play it long enough to where you start to like you're forced to think about it, you know. Right. Um, and I thought Gorilla was good here too because he kind of doesn't buy it. Like he's skeptical, and especially immediately when he's like showing remorse, he's like, "I think he's just worried that no one will throw the towel into Brett now. That's all he cares about." Right. And then as it goes on, it starts to you start to think more and more that it could be real. Yeah, well, and, I think and at this it, point I still didn't expect. I would just say, I don't think at this point, I still, I think I was rooting for Backlund, but I still didn't think it was like going to happen. Yeah. I, I was cheering for Backlund too at the time. Um, but I, here's the thing is I, I never, I never watched it. I didn't watch it live. So I knew what happened after the fact. So I, that's why I'm asking your perspective of like, when he gets him down, are we still holding out hope that right. he's going to get out of this thing? This is only three minutes into the hold, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, I think I assumed <clears throat> he would still like figure out a way to <clears throat> especially bulldog down and like no one to throw the towel in. I think I still expected even up to the point where Helen has it and Stu blocks her that he would grab it from her and then Brett would somehow wiggle free and get the sharpshooter or something. But again, I, I remember rooting for Backlund. Like I was right. hoping he'd win. Yeah, well, you were pleased that night. But I like so Vince at this point also says like when Owen's crying, he goes, This is the true Owen Hart. <laughs> right. Yeah, which of course Vince believes that this Vince character believes the best in everybody. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how good they've built up the hold, but I think it's also a testament to how good the hold is built up that it's almost believable that Owen might feel remorse. Right. On top of everything else. Yeah. I think so too. Like he knows this is a vicious hold and now he is responsible for it. Yeah. And whatever happens, and his poor parents are sitting ringside. And what if his brother really gets se- severely disabled? Like this isn't a crazy trope where there's two bad guys in a movie, you know, one, one turn and join like Tommy Gunn, right? Yeah. <laughs> like whatever, like, you know, you turn against your mentor, or your friend, and then realize you've kind of been had, and you start to feel bad, and then you turn back at the end, right? I mean, it's it's like not a surprise. It's like a, a common trope. So if Owen did, if this was the end of the feud, Owen lost his final shot and realized he fucked up and it may cost his brother, 
like it wouldn't have been the worst way to go. Right. No, it, it would have made total sense. Yeah. He ends up helping Brett retain and the family reunites in front of everyone, right? Takes another three years for that to happen, but yes. Uh, right, right. And I'm glad it didn't because he's so great as to heal, but. Oh, yeah, because he's um, out there being like, I don't want this to happen to my brother. That's my brother. Right, Seven minutes right, now right. he's in it. And then when he goes to his parents, the first thing Owen says is, they are breaking his arm. You've got to do something. That's your son. So good. <laughs> So perfect. We're supposed to be spending Thanksgiving together. We're a family. This is all word. I I never caught these words before, but like he's so freaking funny in this in this moment. Oh yeah, he's great. But Stu is having none of it. But like none of it. He knows it's all bullshit. Yeah. Well, and he's old school. He's like, no, like we are not throwing this fucking towel. And like Brett always finds a way. We're giving him a chance. Yeah. I think if there's a flaw in all this, it's poor Helen's acting. But not everybody can be believable at all times, so that's fine. Um, well, and especially at that, I mean, that's asking a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you've, never, you've never acted before. You're 75 years old. Well, get out there and pretend like your son's dying. Would it have been better if it was? Would it have been better if it was Diana? The best. Diana. Would it, the best Julie. would have been Julie. I mean, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, but would maybe the acting have been a little bit better? Maybe. Yeah, you know, to your point, if that's the down, like, someone that could maybe do a little bit more. I mean, I think the mother is, like, the weak point, and Owen, Owen's more likely to convince her than, like, Julie, you know, so. Yeah, like, Julie hears all the conversations about Owen. <laughs> you know what the best would have been would have been his kids. Get, like, Brett's son to throw the towel in. Uncle Owen is telling <laughs> nine minutes in and they're like brett's arm might have permanent damage and right it it finally happens um well like, and there's even um there's even a uh like speck of blood or something under his eye mm. I, I don't know what it was if it was like a scab or something like <clears throat> excuse me um but it was so randomly perfect because it almost looked like his eyes were bleeding like from the pain of the hole or something. Yeah. 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 Like he's crying blood. Uh, so Helen throws the towel in and the sound the crowd makes is pure shock. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. it's absolutely wonderful. It was a big upset. I don't think anyone really expected them to, to do this. It felt like just a, another step for Brett to then move on to the next guy. Yeah. Well, and, and the next guy shouldn't have been this guy. Now, we're going to see in a couple of days that it isn't, but <laughs> but all the same. It's like, wait, wait the old guy? Uh, and as soon as he wins, Backlund looking at his hands, Owen just sprints off with the towel. And the ref goes over and hands the belt to Backlund. And his face is like, I, I, how would you describe his face? Pure ecstasy. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Like it, like I'm a big mark for guys who look happy when they win the title instead of just being yes. too cool. But like his eyes go wide and he, it's almost like he feels at peace. Strangely enough. Well, he's like almost like simultaneously knew he'd win, but also 
almost shocked himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because he's been 10 years without it, right? Right. And I love when he gets the belt, too. He The way he stands up, it's like he makes himself look bigger. Like, he yeah. puffs out his chest and puts his arms to the side. Like I, And then he makes the ref put the belt on him. It's just great. Another old school touch. And the crowd is just shocked and angry. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, Stu, it, he gives kind of a, like, fuck. You know, when she yanks it out of his hand and throws it in, like, he's just, that he, you know, let him down kind of by doing yeah. this. Like, now he feels responsible. Did he beat Helen at home after this? He definitely stretched her. <laughs> Get down there. Get down there, bitch. <laughs> um, I love Owen, too. So he, like, changes his tune immediately. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the bell rings, he sprints to the back, holding the towels in the air. Just like pure joy, pure happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And he yells like this. I think he, it's Todd, Todd Pettengill. Poor Todd has to play it seriously, but he's dressed like a cowboy. <laughs> yes. And yes. Owen's like, this is the best Thanksgiving of my life. <laughs> All of Owen's. It was really great. Lines. Yeah. It's so perfect. And then, and and then later the, in the night, too. They, yeah, good. No, go, go. Later in the night. No, later they do the press conference, too, with Backlund. Uh, or, or he's having the press conference or his back. It's something where he's just, like, great in that, too. It's just The whole night was so good for him. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's so good this whole night. I love, too, that Backlund does, like, that weird duck walk he does in the ring. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. Is that an exercise? That's an exercise, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes. It, it's almost like squat walk kind of thing yeah he, he probably does like ten thousand of those every day right right i had to do something kind of similar during my my rehab stint so did you uh make your face look completely crazed and look at your hands during it also yeah i locked my physical therapist cross face chicken wing cross face <laughs> did anyone come to throw in the towel <laughs> <laughs> no his mom would cry but yeah. um <clears throat> i love this match I, I to me it doesn't feel anywhere near 35 minutes at all Nope. Uh, especially with how basic it was, but everything was so perfectly executed. Like nothing was botched, slipped, missed. Everything was crisp. Everything was blended. It moved along. And by the time we got to the chicken wing, <clears throat> everyone was hooked in so deep that like the next nine minutes or whatever it was still moved. You know, like if you said there's a nine minute hold in this, it's like crazy. But Owen's pathos play took over and went just like next level. He was fantastic the whole time. And the celebration was magnificent as well. It made sense. Like, it's crazy that Bob Backlund was world champion, but the story was so well done and the character was so fantastic. Like, it didn't feel like, what are they doing? It felt like, oh, shit. Like, good for him. <laughs> like, this is in a way, right? It's like, this whole story was so well woven. And it's like, okay, well, he said he was going to do it. He got one last shot and he did it. I thought Gorilla was awesome, winding in the storyline with the psychology. And it completely holds up 20, 20 years later. I thought Backlund earned this, and I'm really happy they gave him the moment. Even though, as we'll see, he doesn't get much after it. Like, this moment alone was worth it. Oh, yeah. It, it's really spectacular. And it, you're right about it being a massive upset. That was super cool, too. And like I said, I had zero appreciation of it. But, like, it's so – not only – it's so different than everything else around it. 
like it's it everywhere else around this is like it's like the undertaker fighting zombies and, and not zombies but like giants and uh, sumo wrestlers and you know lex luger's fighting a native american tatanka over some bullshit but this just feels like a personal feud over the belt and i i, I cannot stress how well they built it like it it definitely, it definitely didn't feel like a step back. It felt, I was excited at the time. I was like, oh, cool. Where mm-hmm. are they going next? Right. Um, so look, as match quality, I'm at an eight. Yeah, me too. Like, I think I had this at like a four and a quarter-ish somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Like, it's kind of the forgotten Bret Hart match of this year in terms of quality anyway. Yeah, it did that, four and a quarter. When I watched it for War with Marcus to kick off our show, our podcast, 94, 95 was the first season. Um, four and a quarter is, is where I landed on it. So, do you, Would you have this? I lied. I lied. I went four. Four stars. Yeah, I'm at four also. Would you Would yeah. you have this ahead of the cage match or behind the cave, cage match? I had the cage at four and a quarter, so right below. Okay. I have them both at four, but I think I'd, 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 I'd give this one the bump, I think. And then, obviously, the Owen match at WrestleMania is the best one. Um, as mm-hmm. for significance, I went with a four. Um, I know it's strange to do that considering what's about to happen, but it it's not a good significance. It's in that they're moving away from Bret Hart. And I think that kind of speaks to where they want to go as a company. And it ends up kind of dooming them for the next year in terms of show quality. So, like, I, even though it's... It's not necessarily a good thing. I think it's significant in that, which is why I went four. I actually went lower. I went two. Um, because it really could have been the significance of the rain could have been anyone. And it's it's really like I it's Iron Sheik part two, right? right. <laughs> so um it's the same path. He's ironically Backlund is playing the Sheik role when he was, <laughs> you know, the guy that lost the Sheik the last time. <clears throat> so in the end it doesn't really matter, but it could have been anyone in that spot. Now that doesn't take away from what we'll talk about in a minute, which is more the moment and all that. But yeah. the significance of the rain is just insignificant. Besides, just it paying off Backlund's long climb back. Yeah, I guess. I guess for me, when I think of significance, I'm I'm not looking at significance of the rain because the rain for me kind of falls Correct. into aftermath, right? So that's why. Uh, like, yeah, well, that's what I mean, too. I guess, yes, the moment, too. The, the significance yeah. of the win. Right. Okay. Uh, for the moment itself, I'm at a seven. Same. It's it's awesome. Like, all the Owen stuff, the, the nine-minute chicken wing, and then Backlund celebration. Just, all of it is so good. And it's all earned. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's like, this is a... I would imagine that, like, this is the kind of thing... That people might think that Bret Hart and Owen Hart wouldn't be good at. Right. Like, And maybe even Backlund. Like the emotional storytelling. But it's all there. Yep. Uh, the build, I'm at an eight. We talked about it ad nauseum. Um, the the yeah, whole thing. Never lost and whatnot. So yeah, they, they, it really feels like a well-built up thing. Um, and as for <laughs> the aftermath, I'm at a one. I mean, loses three days later. Yeah, I give it a two um, because it does launch whether Diesel's reign is anything or not. Like it's a massive shift. <clears throat> um, also, the you know like 
puts Kevin Nash on the map to lead to huge things a year later, right? So it's it, it's you know the aftermath is pretty interesting, and it's like they did the cool parallel, and we'll talk about it, like to Hogan and Sheik and all that. So you know whatever, yeah, a little sure. there. So that uh, were you expecting this change? No, like I said, I was rooting for it, but um, I did not see it. I didn't think they'd actually do it. I, I figured Brett was just—I don't know where they were going. I, I guess I thought maybe we may get Brett Diesel again, but not how we end up getting it. Or right. you know, Brett Sean was still kind of there, right? Like Sean elevating up was on the map too, so. And Owen, like, you know, we figured Owen could always get back in the mix. <clears throat> so that gives us a total score of 55 points out of 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that lands Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund as the ninth best title change that we've talked about so far. Yeah, I think that feels that feels good. Yeah. Talk about where it lands kind of in proportion to those when we do our list. But, uh, yeah, that's it's definitely in the top third so far. I, I feel like <clears throat> this is one of the few so far that could have great variance depending on who's doing this, this project. Mm. Do you think it could go way down? I think so. If someone doesn't like the style or the show put on, you know, like I could see easily some people not liking it. And I don't think we have too many of those yet where we've like been high on something that others could be low on because, you know, like this is the, one of the most like potential variances in en- level of enjoyment. Yeah, I, I could buy that. I could buy that because you could you could be angry that Beth, Brett's reign was cut off. You could um, be pissed off that Backlund loses the belt three days later. There's a lot to there's a lot to dislike about it if you want to pick it apart. Or just not like the Hart family involvement, like Helen ending the reign, like you know, and and then or not liking a 35 minute mat based match with a nine minute hold. You know what I mean, like. I, I could see it just not clicking for everybody. Yeah. I mean, for me, I like things that, like, it always kind of bugs me when someone, like, releases a hold, right, for, for for no reason. So I like that he was trapped. But, yeah, I get it. I could see, um, I could definitely see someone not liking it. Well, I'll tell you what everyone likes. That is a North-South Connection, Aaron. Oh, shit. Tons of content every day. Hmm? Anything you want to highlight or spotlight tonight for us? Um, I would definitely highlight and spotlight anything done by Mr. Ryan Gray. Um, I thought since he's come on board, he's been killing it. He does a lot of pre does the previews for the uh, pay-per-view events or premium events, if you will, uh, often with a guest. Does a great job there. Um, I also uh, love the jo- the work that Marcus and Tim do on Viewer's Choice. They watch the show, so I don't have to. Yeah, I'm just super proud of everything. Uh, really excited to have your solo series back. The follow-up to the wonderfully, uh, worldly acclaimed Year That Was project. You're now doing the Wrestler That Was project. So every other Monday, you're breaking down the DODF pay-per-view careers of various wrestlers. Like your first one was on Jake Roberts, which was great. You go through the whole pay-per-view match catalog and in different categories. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that all that is like, prestige audio on this feed year that was and then this so that's a must every other monday yeah i'm actually you know it's funny i'm actually trying to go a bit beyond the pay-per-views too like i can't do all the tvs but i'm trying to hit like so like Mm -hmm. the 
like the, the I would say the first three guys are pretty pay-per-view heavy, but by the fourth guy, like I kind of had to dig a bit because there just wasn't a ton of pay-per-view. Um, so that's been really cool too. And it's a different way to look at it. That runs in tandem with our project uh, now entering the Royal Rumble, which I believe is still driving us insane. Uh, always. Yeah, always. Uh, next installment is this Monday coming up. So check that out. And everything we've got going. Uh, new, gen, uh, new Gen on a Mission is incredible. Um, ruthlessly aggressive. Great stuff. War. Uh, must listen for me every time. Wrestling Warzone. Each and every day we got something for everyone's tastes. Hopefully. Sure do. All right. Let's move to our next match, which takes place uh, <clears throat> at Madison Square Garden. Our show. Throwback for us here. Uh, November 26th, so three days later, Survivor Series was Thanksgiving Eve. This is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it features Diesel challenging Bob Backlund for the world title. And Diesel, of course, uh, had been in an interesting meteoric rise. We talked about his huge rumble showing on now during the rumble recently. And, of course, that broke him into the stratosphere a bit as, uh, you know, from, I guess, the depths of where he was likely headed. He ends up taking a more active role as, you know, Sean's bodyguard and as a wrestler, wins the IC title on Superstars right after WrestleMania, gets a world title match with Bret Hart at King of the Ring, which goes well, uh, loses his title at SummerSlam to uh, Razor thanks to Sean kicking him, and that starts a downfall in his relationship with Sean. It's uh, the first of three super kicks that fractures their friendship. The second comes on Action Zone during a tag match against 1-2-3-Kid and Razor Ramon, which is a great match. And then at Survivor Series, Sean kicks him again, and Diesel finally snaps, and that ends their friendship. Uh, Diesel, so Diesel had been a tag team champion with Sean in the summer, IC champion as well. So he was pretty well elevated by the time they got to Survivor Series, and he's really damn over organically at Survivor Series. Like, super... You know, crowd's super hot for him in that match. He looks and feels like a star at that point. Absolutely. And he really knew how to carry himself like a star. He learned that over the last year. Because when you look at his 93 stuff, I find he almost looks uncomfortable on camera. But by the time, by the time you get here, okay, like, this guy does actually have some potential here. Yeah, happy quick. Happy quick, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And now, yeah, good. I was going to say, like, I don't want to say you were surprised. I think we were all surprised by this because how did you find out just on Superstars? Yeah, well, it would have been on, I guess, Challenge the next day because that was Sunday because Superstars would have aired before this or Raw. It might have just been on Raw that they, they did it. Right. I don't and remember then, yeah. they talked about it on Challenge. I, I don't recall. Um but what I wanted to look up, and I'm checking Graham's site now, and Landy, of course, also runs it with him. Yeah. Uh, if Diesel was a sub for Brett. Like that night, you mean? Yeah. Like, was Bret Hart supposed to be there and then wasn't? Or or did they just... If it was supposed to be Brett Backlund for the title, and... Uh, actually, well, here it is. Okay. Segment where Howard Finkel introduced the new world champion Bob Backlund to the ring. Backlund stood in the ring for several minutes without speaking as the crowd booed. Eventually, he turned to Lee before taking the mic and cut a promo on the crowd. Featured announcement by Finkel that Bret Hart would not appear scheduled later in the show, but will return January 16, 95. He wanted to say, despite Backlund's protest, he would now face Diesel in a non-title match 
later in the show. Moments later, an official came to ringside and corrected Finkel that the title would now be on the line, prompting Backlund to confront Finkel and protest before going backstage. So, yeah, I, I figured this wasn't an announced match. Like, Diesel versus Bob Backlund. Like, would make no sense coming into the show. It definitely would have made more sense that Brett versus Backlund was announced. Of course. Uh, and Graham, Graham and Landy do have it here that Diesel's involvement in the match was not announced until Superstars that morning. And it was announced on local TV during the November 5th, 6th weekend that Randy Savage was supposed to referee a match between Brett and Backlund, but that, that announcement was never made uh, public again. So this was supposed to be originally Brett versus Backlund with Savage as ref. Hmm. And then Brett ends up being too banged up after the Survivor Series, so Diesel steps in here and gets the title shot. This aired on Action Zone actually the next day. Right. So that would have been probably where they talk about it. Um, I would assume when they said it on Superstars that Diesel was stepping in, you could kind of see the writing on the wall. Like it was unlikely he probably wouldn't win. Uh, and I think it also continues to add to the parallels to what I talked about earlier, where Backlund finds himself in the Sheik role. Right. Because if you recall, that was supposed to be Iron Sheik versus Bob Backlund. Backlund was too hurt. And Hogan comes out as like the surprise opponent or whatever. So was is that why he befriends the Sheik later? Yes, they had a common like he understands his pain now. You told me I told you I took the title and then I lost. <laughs> no, you fucking you. Um, yeah, I just remember like like it, it wouldn't have even occurred to me at the time. And maybe this is just me being naive. It wouldn't have even occurred to me that Diesel would be in a world title match. Um, I mean, he was in one earlier in the year. Right, but it was it's almost like his face turn for me was too new. And I know that maybe mm. sounds insane, but at the time that's how I felt about it. Yeah, well, with Brett losing, this I mean, outside of Undertaker who had just come back, and maybe Razor Ramon. Like, there's no one else. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a world where if you really are rebooking this stretch, and Scott and I did a bunch of written reviews on PlaySpation.com probably within the last five years, like going through all these Raws and stuff, and pay-per-views. I think I think this was a mistake. Like, I get what they were doing, and, and the match itself yeah. is nothing. Like, the bell rings, Diesel kicks him, Jack knifes him, and that's it. Um, and it was it was meant to spark those memories of Hogan and and become the new showcase of the next, you know, generation. Generation? Right? Like, <laughs> it was, the Hogan cheek was a little bit longer, but it, it was meant to be the same. Like, Backlund's a pure transitional champ. Diesel gets the rocket push out of nowhere, and suddenly he's on top. Right. I think it was a disservice to Backlund and it ends up being a disservice to Diesel. And they could have done this in a way that would have worked a little bit better, told the story better, and they could have reshuffled the year a little cleaner. Right. If Diesel beats him at the Rumble and you don't rush to Diesel Brett again, you know, you maybe Brett's in the Rumble or maybe he fights Owen on the undercard, you know, whatever the match they, you know, whatever you want to do. Like maybe he's in the Rumble and Owen eliminates him, right, to get one over on him again. Mm. You can still do Diesel Sean at, at Mania. You do the Brett Owen. You know, Marcus and I went into this a lot on War when we did WrestleMania 11, like how you could have treated that that stuff with him. 
So you do maybe you do Brett and Owen are uh, the no holds barred mania. And, and like I, I just think that Brett Diesel match, I like it at the Rumble, but it's very counterproductive. Like you're already putting Diesel in a position where the crowd is split on him. Yeah. Against Brett. You're doing a fuck finish with a bunch of nonsense. Like th- this is so much like there's no real benefit to that match. Unless you're gonna put Diesel over him clean, like there's no benefit to doing that match at the Rumble. So I just would have had Diesel win the title there. Or if you wanted to do the shock, have Diesel defending his like give Backland at least another month. But I think Backland is champion through the winter into the Rumble. Like he had gas in the tank to make that work. I think he could have held it until uh WrestleMania. That's always been my contention. Right. You have Diesel win the Rumble. Right. Could do like, that too. Yeah, like I don't think you're giving up. I mean, WrestleMania becomes a a very different show, but I don't know if that because you could you right. you have Diesel fight Backlund and maybe you have uh, LT fight Michaels. Right. And I look, I love Bam Bam Bigelow, but I think Michaels probably could have been even better in the role. But anyway, that's another here nor there. Um right. Yeah, I just I remember turning on the TV and being being shocked. The crowd though is crazy hot for Diesel. Like in all the because mm-hmm. everything I think we have is fan cam of this. Like I'm sure they've taped too, but everything I saw on YouTube was fan cam, and he is mega over. And oh, it's a, oh yeah, and it's a testament to how good Backlund's um, heel run is that how hated he is in MSG because mm-hmm. he was the king of MSG for a while. And everyone, I mean, I think it's understating how over Diesel was like he was really over in 94. Like he built himself so organically that by the time this came around, like the crowd wanted this. It's right. really the follow-up into how he's handled is the problem by making him be. And it's really not until mania that it starts. Like those first few months, he's still kind of like badass, cool diesel. Even in the match at the rumble, he's still acting that way. It's not really until Sean turns and he becomes like yuck, yuck, buddy, buddy guy. Like, and Sid is where things go off the rails. Right. Yeah, it it ends up being a bit of a disaster. But yeah, you're right. It does come a bit later. I think it's cool that they did this title change at MSG. But I find it very strange in this era. Yeah. This is kind of the last one, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just say I really just think they were trying to do like a special. I think they just want to make Diesel and X Hogan like that's all it is. Yeah, and they said, think... okay, we have a pretty we have an opportunity here. We had a guy in Backlund that's whatever. Like his reign either way is probably not going to do much, and we can kick off like the next Hogan, exactly how we kicked it off. And then you also get the romanticizing of the Backlund being involved this time around again. You know, I I, I get it. Like I get a hundred percent why they did it. I don't think it's oh, even me. the worst decision. If Diesel is booked better into 95, like no one even questions us. Yeah. <coughs> I just, it, it, I guess there's a little bit of me that's surprised that it didn't wait till Monday to do it on Raw. Or was that taped? Might have been taped, eh? Uh, I probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they could have done a Raw. But to them, like, Raw still wasn't like a first run. I think it's into 95 when they start to make it more the the main thing. Like, in 94, I think it's still maybe 60-40 with superstars. You know what I mean? Right. Was it ever live during that period? Did they go live once, or was it always all time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they would. No, no, they would do live still. 
Because even then, like just putting it on a live Raw whenever that was, even if it's a couple right. weeks later, still gets more eyes on Diesel and more people get to see the win. I just think they saw the romantic feelings for MSG. Yeah, which they should because it is a special building for them. Uh, well, and I think they were, they were probably trying to boost attendance there again. So if you do this, you know, next show maybe you're coming back because things are happening again in MSG, you know. Right, right, right. Makes sense. It's come, it feels like, yeah, I guess you're right. He is well built. It still feels out of nowhere because it's not announced. Um, do you think Diesel was more ex- exhausted from the celebration post-match or the match itself? Yes, yes. Because he is it's just a pretty old. classic one too. He does that where he jumps up and almost is like almost like squatting a little bit, you know what I mean? And then like just yelling with the title in his hand. Yeah, imagine he broken his leg jumping. <laughs> How mad is Vince? You fucking son of a bitch. Um it's a squash match, so for me, match quality, it's middle of the road. I'm at a five. Yeah, um, you know, we differ. On yeah. that kind of scoring, so I, I went one. So these sometimes get hurt, these types of matches, when we're comboing our grades here. Yeah, it's just like to me, well, we've already arbitrated this a ton. Because, like, yes. for me, if yeah. a one is like, it's a terrible match. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was fine. Kick powerbomb. Uh, significance is six for me. I think it's a huge shift. We're going to diesel and we're all in. Yeah, six for me as well. It's it's a pretty important title change. I'm at a five for the moment. Um, maybe it's just the footage I have. I, I mean, I, I would imagine if I was in the building that night, I'd probably be writing mm-hmm. 10. Right. Yeah, I give it a six. I think it's a cool moment. The crowd goes crazy. The power bomb's cool. The celebration's cool. Like, it felt like a big deal. Again, I think this is one one of the bigger ones for us where, like, retrospect can really affect it. So you can kind of stay agnostic to the moment and tell yourself, like, no, this was like a really cool moment that like we give WWE a lot of grief, right? Um, we give them a lot of grief for not listening to the fans, not making the big change, not doing something outside the box. Like they did it here. Like the crowd wanted Diesel. It's, this wasn't them force feeding someone down our throat. Like, no, this was a popular thing. It's just they fuck it up after. They change it. They change what everybody likes about them. Right. If Diesel just loses it back to Brett at Mania or something like that, like, again, I think it's looked at even more fondly. You know, it's not only the Diesel push that's the problem in 95. It's also the complete de-push of Bret Hart. It's everything. I mean, the misuse of all the big guys across the roster. Yeah, everybody's kind of almost in the wrong role. Um, right. Okay. As for build, I'm at a two. Um, yeah, I give a one. I mean, they, they didn't really build it at all unless you want to, yeah, I'll go to a two. I'll, I'll bump it to a two. Um, because we did talk about it. Like they built the diesel pretty well. Yeah. Like that was my whole point with it was that right. like it's, it's based on the diesel push more than anything else that score. And, uh, for, um, for uh god damn it aftermath i'm at a four i give it a six i mean you still get a lot of great stuff like diesel's champion is a big deal you get you know the mania match you get the rumble match of brett it it, and again like i kind of factored in the lineage of where this goes right like 
without this title run, you don't get Diesel snapping at the end of 95 and becoming kind of a renegade badass. You don't get maybe Kevin Nash with the NWO, right? Like, there's a lot of drip down from this that comes off of it, so. You might not get Austin either, because Diesel is kind of the prototype for Austin. Yeah, when they actually let him go. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm going to bump that up. I'll bump it to a five because I was at a four. I'll bump it to a five. That actually solves a problem for us that we're about to have. So, All right. Um, so that uh, lands- I, I definitely did not see this coming, by the way. Oh, no, no. I mean, we didn't even know about the match, right? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so that gives it a score of 44 points. It ties it with Hogan Slaughter from WrestleMania 7. Do you want to put that above or below? I'd put... Uh, it's tough. I mean, Hogan Slaughter is a way better match. But this is pro- like a bigger Yeah, deal. That's, I think that's probably our least important category match. Right. So I would say based on what we look at, the whole point of this project, <laughs> um, I'd right. probably put this above it. Absolutely. That was my thought, too. So we're unanimous. All right. That concludes that portion. Um, do you want to read through our uh, title changes and uh, get out of here? Yeah. You want us to do top 10? Uh, yeah. So we'll do top 10. But before we do the top 10, I will mention that Diesel versus Bob Backlund uh, falls at number 14. Okay. So number 10, Buddy Rogers defeating Bruno San Martino. May of 1963. Number nine, Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund, Survivor Series in 1994. There we go. Number eight, Bret Hart, Yokozuna, um, WrestleMania 10. I would say that's one of the more surprising ones. Yeah, but that just speaks to what exactly we were just talking about in that, like, match qualities are least important and everything else seems to matter more. All right, number seven, Hulk Hogan versus The Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6. That's the one that seems low. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, number six, Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase, WrestleMania 4. Number five, Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage, WrestleMania 5. Number four, Randy Savage versus Ric Flair, WrestleMania 8. Number three, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the French Giant at the main event, February 88. Number two, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik, MSG, January 84. And number one, the 1992 Royal Rumble match. Man, that match is dominating both of our shows. It is. It just casts a massive shadow over everything. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Bob Backlund getting the number 9 and 14 slot. We say goodbye to him because mm-hmm. unfortunately we don't get to see him again. But what a refreshing rewatch this was for me. I, I love diving into the Backlund stuff. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, he's one of my favorites from that era for sure. <clears throat> I never get sick of them. It sucks that the WrestleMania match is so crappy. <clears throat> but this is really his peak. I guess this is it. Uh, 95, he's kind of sparingly used. And then he pops up from time to time. He's always fun when he pops up, but this is really um, the absolute peak of his return run, for sure. Oh, yeah, as an active competitor, 100%. Yep. All right, check out everything we have to offer here at the North-South Connection. We appreciate all of your support and loyalty. Uh, take a moment, leave us a rating or a review or to share us. We appreciate that very much, along with everything else. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. The Dookie, it has been dropped.